Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the final uh, show for Golf Talk Live this season. I'm getting ready to, to wrap up season number eight here on Golf Talk Live. Uh, I'll be taking an extended break um, through the holidays and a little bit beyond. And we'll hit the air once again on February the 11th. will be the first show uh, coming back next season. And I'm really excited to have a, a little bit of break. It's been a long season and uh, I always enjoy the shows, of course. Uh, but it's nice to get that that break. And uh, essentially, I take a little bit extended break, uh, again, obviously, to uh, enjoy the holidays, but then also to take some time to uh, get ready for next season and already uh, lining up some bookings for 2021. So I'm really, really excited. I'm going to be joined here in just a moment by uh, the final Coach's Corner panel of the season, and I'll bring those guys out in just a, a few moments. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, Byron Casper. Uh, Byron is, of course, a professional golfer and son of legendary uh, Billy Casper, and uh, he's also the co-founder of Billy Casper Golf Schools. He'll be joining me on the second half. All right, let me remind everybody, of course, Golf Talk Live is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And, of course, Golf Tips, the most in-depth instruction magazine offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today. Go to golftipsmag.com. All right, I've got uh, some great guests, and we're just waiting for number three here. I'll introduce uh, all three of them, and uh, hopefully he will uh, join us here shortly. All right, uh, on the show tonight on the Coach's Corner panel uh, is uh, John Decker. He's a PGA instructor and a motivational speaker. He's also one of the senior editors and a top 25 instructor with Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, he was also the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, prior, uh, he's a prior head instructor at the Grand Cypress uh, Academy of Golf uh, in Orlando, where he worked under top 100 instructors Fred Griffin and Phil Rogers. And he also authored the book Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which, of course, has an accompanying Bible study. Uh, also on the panel uh, is Peter Agazarian. He is the owner and director of performance for the Northeast Performance Institute as well as the owner and president of Northeast Golf Performance. Uh, and in 2017, uh, he received the uh, Northeastern uh, New York PGA Player Development Award. And he's also a TrackMan Master and Proponent Group member. And rounding out the panel is, of course, my good friend Clint Wright, a 30-year member of the PGA and a partner at TGM Golf, and a big proponent of the R3 approach, and in my opinion, one of the best covering the short game today. And as always, uh, he is a favorite uh, here in the Coach's Corner panel. So uh, two out of three ain't too bad, as they say. So John and Clint, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, yeah. Thank thanks. you, Ted. Glad to be here. <clears throat> uh, I appreciate it. 
Um, and as I said, I'll keep an eye out for Peter. He may have just been running a little bit late. And uh, if not, well, then I think the three of us will uh, hold down the fort. All right, so what we're going to talk about tonight a little bit is golf programs that are available, of course, to every level of golfer. And I've, I've picked three out uh, for a specific reason. We're going to talk a little bit about, I think you guys are probably familiar, uh, certainly uh, with uh, a couple of them for sure, maybe the third one as well. And we're just going to touch on a few things about their programs. And the reason being is with the season closing up for some of us out there, or for some of you out there, um, people are kind of wondering what I can do for, for next season. And these are some great programs that are available. Um, and uh, many of the golf instructors have, in some cases, uh, have actually uh, adopted uh, th- these specific programs or something similar. And I thought it would be a good idea to just talk about because people are always – you know, guys, people are always sort of reaching out and saying, well, you know, what can I do? I, I want to, you know, get started in this game or I want to revamp what I've been working on for a few years. And these are some great uh, programs, very successful programs, I might add. Uh, and it's a good place to start. So the first one we're going to talk about is Vision 54. Um, I know both of you are probably familiar with it. Uh, Lynn Marriott mm-hmm. and Pia Nielsen uh, were the co-founders of Vision 54. Uh, which is a, a breakthrough uh, program and golf school based in the Scottsdale, Arizona area. Uh, both these uh, women are internationally recognized as two of the highest-ranked female instructors in America and have been featured with, uh, in Golf Digest as uh, top 50 uh, greatest teachers. And, uh, of course, their golf schools have also uh, been recognized. So um, I'm going to start, uh, John, with you on this. And there's a couple of different things that they, they offer. They offer offer uh, in-person coaching, uh, remote coaching, and self-coaching. And just to give you sort of a a, a very broad overview, and then we'll talk about some of the advantages of all three. Uh, In-person coaching, of course, is traditional uh, in-person golf lessons, whether it be one-on-one or in a group. Remote coaching, of course, is uh, what a lot of us are doing now with virtual coaching and and that sort of thing. And then, of course, self-coaching is a way – that you can, with the help of your coach, develop a game plan that you can kind of tick off some of those boxes in your uh, game plan, if you will, on your own when you're away from your coach or your teacher professional. So, John, maybe you could touch on these three areas, some of the benefits of all three, uh, and how they can kind of work together um, maybe in an overall lesson plan. Well, thank you, Ted. It's a great question, and um, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's kind of some of the things I've been been doing myself. I first of all want to thank you for having me on the show, and Clint, uh, I look forward to tonight's discussion, and uh, hopefully Peter will be on as well. Starting, um, you know, with the uh, the in-person instruction, um, you know, I believe that the best way to to um, you know one of the best ways that you can learn the game is through taking a series of lessons. And, and when you have that one-on-one uh, approach with a, with a teacher, you can really get more specific in um, tailoring a program specifically for that person as an instructor. As a student, you have the opportunity to come in and really get, um, it's kind of like an a la carte menu where you can get everything that you want to accomplish 
uh, done because you have the, the, you know, I always tell the students, you know, you're paying for the time and, and, and I can make recommendations, but if there's something that you really want to work on, then, then, you know, I'm willing to spend more time maybe in an area that, that maybe I don't think is, is as important for them as a necessity that they work on at that moment. But again, they're paying for the time. And so that's something that I can be more flexible in a group setting. Um, you can't do that. In a group setting, you need to really stick more to your, um, you know, your program. And whether it's like, you know, putting for a half hour and chipping and pitching or whatever your subjects may be, because you have to be fair to the group. You can't have one person kind of dictate, well, let's go work on this when you've got kind of a program and the expectations are going to be for something else. Um, the online stuff um, is something new that I put into my personal uh, teaching arsenal over the last few years. Um, and it is really, I went from working at a private club where I really couldn't do that because at a private club, you, you're pretty much catering to the members. I did a little bit of, of uh, lessons that were non-members, but now that I'm working uh, on my own, I do uh, online instruction and I have found that to be very, very beneficial. Um, I found that it's a great way uh, to keep in touch with people in case they move. If you have a, or, you know, I used to work in Florida for 20 years and, and the Carolinas, I've taught in both Carolinas uh, as well. So I have students really all over the Southeast and it's a great way for them to send me their swing. I can look at it. And the great thing for the listeners out there, it's a very cost effective way to get instruction because you're going to get it at a reduced price. The downside is, is you don't have that instructor right there. They can't watch you, you know, they can't watch the ball because the teachers really like to watch the ball and be able to put their, maybe, you know, give you drills personally and, and communicate in a one-on-one -on -one format. So the, it's, a, it's a great thing. I think for a lot of the millennials out there, they're going to love the online stuff. Um, and that's something again, that, that I do as well. So, and then there's fitness programs that you can do as well, whether it's online or in person. Uh, so there's really, um, there's a lot of different programs out there. I think the best thing that you can do, um, it, you know, when you're deciding is, is to know how you learn best. You know, some people like a lot of women like to take group classes. Um, and I found through the years, not all, but a lot of them do. So if you know that you like the group settings, you can do that. If you like the personal one-on-one, -on -one, that's a great way to go. And if you want to do the um, online, you know, that's another great option as well. Yeah. And there's so many great options uh, available out there. And I think now Clint with, with a lot of the, um, especially with the millennials and, and, and others coming up through the ranks and, and even some of our more seasoned golfers, as they're becoming a little bit more uh, in tune with what's out there, um, you know, and again, we certainly don't want to take away. And I think there, there's a place for all three, um, whether it be in-person remote coaching and, and also uh, self-coaching. There's a lot of great apps out there that allow you to track uh, your stats and that. And, uh, you know, John's, I think done a great job of sort of explaining uh, the e, uh, each of the the different uh, categories. But I thought maybe you could add on this, and then I'll I'll give you a question. Of your yeah, own. sure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Well, John John hit a lot of good points. Um, but I think, and ironically, Mike Lawrence and I was talking about this very thing this afternoon about how how do we branch? Because we don't do a lot of online right now, but we want to try to get into that. And it really, I told him, you know, this may sound cruel but we teach too many 45 and 65 year old people because mm -hmm. that we're traditionalists we want that one-on-one -on -one relationship with our student but the millenniums gather information differently than we do 
They gather their information through podcasts and online. They're accustomed to gathering their information that way. And so, therefore, the online programming is a way that they, they identify, this is what I normally do. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we're getting some 45 to 60-year-olds are beginning to be more comfortable with the, with the online right. gathering of information. Okay? So, I mean, it's a, very, it's a unique thing um, that we, we can now reach out to that. But the one thing that we want to guard against is the, is the do-it-yourself program. We, mm-hmm. I think there's a place for it because, look, we all know as teachers that our students spend more time away from us than they do with us right. working on their golf game, right? So they're technically a, kind of a do-it-yourself, and we use a system that we call it the protocol that, that works on assessing the students' issues, making some kind of diagnosis, and then giving them a prescription how to fix it, and they have to coach themselves with that. So if you're going to do a do-it-yourself program, by all means, go to your local guy professional, get online, and have a good assessment of your game. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to be guessing at what you're doing wrong, because if you guess wrong, then you're doing two things wrong now. You know, you start mm-hmm. changing things that are working. So it's real important if you're going to do the self-coaching and do-it-yourself, which most people basically do in reality because we, they, they spend more time alone than they do with their instructor, it's very important that they have a clear assessment in what they need to accomplish from their instructor. That's our, that's our responsibility, to, mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is a problem. Here's how you fix it. And, and I think that, and I'll get back to your original question about the 54 program, it's outstanding because they start developing a way for a person to go from the mind game over to the brain game. You know, the think box and the play box, you know, that, and I've been kind of tinkering with some of that in my own game and it really matters. So if a person can, can make that transition, their program explains, I've read the book as many of us have, Mm -hmm. and they explain it quite well. So if, if there's people out there that's looking for something to delve into this winter, that's a really good place to start. Really is. Yeah. What's really unique, um, too, and, and I want to address something that you you just uh, talked about, Clint, and that was um, sort of the 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 uh, sort of the self uh, teaching, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree. I, I agree with with what you're what you're saying because, and again, as we all know, that students spend more time away from us. That one of the things that we have to be careful of, as you point out, is that they're still working with somebody, um, even if they're doing a lot of the stuff on their own at times, it is important to have that assessment up front because here's the danger, as, as, as you've pointed out some of it, but here's the other, is if they're looking for all of that information on their own without some guidance, then a lot of times they're getting access to, in many cases, maybe some a lot of misinformation or a yeah. lot of you know so-called quick-fix swing gurus out there that say, well, if you do this or if you do that – you know, here's the magic, you know, sauce, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is if they don't have some benchmarks to work with, um, and again, it's okay for them. Uh, they're going to spend time on their own. And that's okay. Um, and I don't have a problem with some of the apps that have been made available out there to do uh, sort of um, uh, allow them to follow a criteria. 
but I still think it's important, as you're uh, suggesting, is that they still work with somebody and and work together through that so that that way you can kind of set up a platform for them to work through. And then if they want to go and do some things on their own, at least they've had some initial guidance and, and direction. Because you're right, one of the things we have to guard against is that they go out and they just start doing everything on their own. And more often than not, they end up changing things that maybe don't need to be changed or making decisions that are not going to benefit them in the long run. So uh, there's lots mm-hmm. of pros for, for the different options that are out there, but there's also some things that the average golfer needs to, to guard against as well. So uh, some great points uh, there as well, Clint. Clint, I'm going to come to you first on this mm-hmm. one here. Uh, we're going to move to – now this one you guys may or may not be familiar with, uh, but we've talked about something similar uh, and it's a, an organization, I've actually had them as a guest, TGA Premier Sports or Golf. And essentially, they have a, a variety of different things. They, they offer an after-school uh, enrichment programs, camps, and actually leagues, as well as some other things. What's really unique about these guys is they've actually created a, a franchise model uh, and are working currently with a number of different, uh, you know, PGA and even LPGA professionals uh, around the United States. And they're actually in, um, I believe now, if I stand corrected, um, I think it's about 36 states that they're currently in. And basically what they do is they actually do programs through the school system. What I really like about this is, and I'm going to talk about some of the things that they cover here in a minute, um, but it's really designed to get an early exposure to kids at an elementary level and not just those that are conditioned to, you know, running out in junior golf programs. So let me just talk about some of the things very quickly that they, they talk about. Of course, they, um, some of their ri- enrichment program, as an example, features physical activity, uh, obviously uh, about equipment, station-based instruction. Uh, they call steam labs, which are designed for, uh, because they're dealing in the school system, it's also to deal with the academic uh, criteria as well, and also some life lessons. Um, mm-hmm. Those are some areas. What are your thoughts there? Um, this is one area that the golf industry, I think, has really missed an opportunity over the decades because so many other sports uh, feature, whether it be football, baseball, are very well entrenched in our school systems. Golf is still mm-hmm. one that's sort of uh, away. Do you see this as an opportunity to get access to, to a younger generation and get them interested early? Now, whether they take it and run with it later on in life, but getting mm-hmm. into the school systems, what are your thoughts there, and what do you think about some of the uh, parts of their enrichment program? Any comments? Uh, well, obviously that that what they're trying to do is 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 an outstanding endeavor. Okay. Um, anytime you can help a child develop a, a, um, honor and integrity and, and, in in the process, introduce them to our sport. I mean, you, you have to give them credit for, for, for the effort, not to, not to compare, but that sounds a lot like the first T program. Um, and which is fine. There's no monopoly on, on doing it here to tell you how that it's wonderful is that their program probably does the same thing, goes to elementary schools. In one of the school districts here in our county, uh, they introduce golf to 7,000 elementary kids a year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Started to have it in every elementary school. Now, COVID kind of put an end to it for a while, but they'll come back to it. And 
the kids that are in the first grade get exposed to five years in a row. Okay, so as this thing goes out, it, it just introduces kids get maybe one year, depending on when the program starts. And it sounds like this program is doing the same thing. So you have to applaud them for, for their efforts because, you know, it's outside of the golf industry, but it feeds the golf industry. And, you know, unless you're just in a unique place, as golf professionals, we have as much as we can do to manage and, hold, and deal with our home club. You know, and run a junior program, you know, these things. You know, so it's difficult. So I, I applaud them for getting outside of us and trying to, to help. I mean, it, it can't be anything but good, okay? Uh, so I, I would applaud them, and, and, if, and if the people that are listening can uh, find out if they're in those areas, I would encourage them as much as I could to get involved, look and see what they're doing, make sure that they're doing what they say they're doing, uh, and then get behind them and be a volunteer. One of the things that you have to have in those programs is an army of volunteers, uh, to help uh, keep those programs going, because that, that's important. Anytime volunteers are important. But in the program that I have seen come out of the ground in the last 18 months, the volunteers were the, the, was the critical element on getting that started, without a doubt. <clears throat> but I want to come back for just something you said at the end of your uh, portion of the first question. I'm reading Arnold Palmer's book right now. One of the things he said, there's no magic on the golf course. You get out of it how hard you work. Mm-hmm. Magic, and that goes back to these folks that are selling the you know the special sauce. No magic out there. You get out of what you do. You, you get that out of your work, and uh, that's just the plain and simple thing about it. So, but again, these junior programs, I think it's imperative that the parents and the people of the community investigate who's running those programs and know who they are. And get behind them because there, there's no question that, that it'll help both the children and our sport, without a doubt. Yeah, and some great uh, some great observations, John. Uh, just touching on these guys a little bit more. You know, one of the things, and, I, and I've had the, the the founder on the show uh, actually a number of times over the years. What's Interesting, and as John or as Clint pointed out, you know, it, they do have certain some similarities uh, to the um, some of the PGA programs. What they're really going after, the market that they're really going after, is sort of an after uh, class outside of um, uh, you know typical school uh, curriculum, because this is something obviously that golf's not uh, as entrenched in. What's interesting though is they also offer, and again, they have um, trained professionals. These are people that are, um, you know, certified golf professionals and so forth. So, John, what are your thoughts here? How can we, as an industry, not just with them? These are just one one player in the field. There's many out there. But, John, what are your thoughts with this? I mean, some of the things that they do, other ways that, that you can play golf with TGA is obviously they do offer private golf lessons uh, through their their members. Uh, youth golf clinics, adult golf clinics as well. And they also have incorporated tournaments and family events uh, and even golf-themed parties. You know, this is something, too, that they've taken up. And, you know, we've all had some changes because of COVID. But what are your thoughts, John, on, you know, something like this? Um, You know, not just expanding their particular program, but other programs as well. And, and, uh, you know, getting more and more, especially younger people, 
out to the sport because as we transition now, uh, many of our golfers out there are of an older caliber. At some point, they're going to be gone. We need to get better entrenched, I believe, in the younger generation. And not everybody, obviously, is necessarily going to be you know uh, good enough to be out in the, on the tour or what have you. Um, what do you think about programs like this out here? Well, I love it. Um, I, I actually was approached by them a few years ago. Um, I, they they reached out to me and um, were you know inquiring if I would be interested in doing. It. And and unfortunately, I was up here. It was they reached me. They were asking. They were looking for someone in the in the Western North Carolina area. And I I was up here in Ohio, so I wasn't able to do it. But I was inquiring about it. And what I love about it, and I even wrote about this in my book. It's is I hope in my lifetime there's a day when every single elementary school child in this nation should have the opportunity to be exposed to the game of golf, and that's what I I that's one of the things that I hope to to be a part of, and I'm sure Clint would say the same thing as well, and I think every PGA professional because I feel like we all owe it to give back to the game and being able to introduce the game to kids who can't join private clubs, who do not have the financial resources, their parents don't play golf. They don't even know what golf is just to at least introduce it to them. Because I guarantee you, if you do that, you are going to find some diamonds in the rough uh, who are going to one day go on and maybe be stars. But more importantly, you are going to grow the game that we all uh, love and that we all is is uh, PGA professionals need we need more like you said we need uh, more people coming up through the ranks so I applaud their efforts um, and um, I actually uh, spoke at a, uh, a public school in um, the Asheville area I spoke at two public schools I spoke to 650 kids in one day and that was a lot of people um, and I was at the end of the, at the end of each class, cause it was in three sessions. Cause it was like ki- kindergarten all the way up to fifth graders. Um, when I got done speaking, I would give away like range balls. I would ask like, like have a little questions and, and whoever raised their hand can answer the question, real simple questions. I would give them a ball. Well, at the end, everybody wanted a ball and everybody was coming up to me and the excitement on their face. And I didn't have enough range balls to give them. I, I had about 50 balls in my shag bag that I brought and and i had you know 650 kids wanting it but it made it really opened my eyes like these kids would love this if they knew anything about it and and then what you do is and the program is the way they've got it designed is 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 they're kind of planting the seed they're doing the introduction and then if the kids take off and they and they start uh getting you know really uh liking it um and because it's an after school program then you talk to the parents and, hey, we can set up clinics, and you start uh, introducing private instruction to them to get them actually onto the golf course and be able to go that route. I think it's a great program. I applaud their efforts, and and I hope to be involved more with it uh, in my career. You know, I, I look at it this way, uh, and uh, some great observations as well, uh, John. I, I look at it this way. You know, we – we always talk about in this industry about growing the game and you know, there are a lot of great programs out there that um, certainly address the, the junior ranks. Uh, But more often not, certainly not in every case, but more often not, they tend to be more very highly competitive uh, from the get go. And again, there are a lot of folks out there that maybe don't really want to go down that path. Now we certainly need them as well. I mean, you want to, 
uh, have, and what I mean by competitive is people that maybe have aspirations of playing uh, collegiate golf uh, and beyond and uh, want to get into a more aggressive programming that allows them those opportunities to hone those skills to become a, a top player and maybe move on, as I said, collegiately or even onto one of the tours. Uh, but there's a lot of folks, probably the majority out there, that really just want to play recreational. So I applaud some of these programs that are approaching it from much like TGA is, where they're they're also focusing on the academic aspect as well. They want the kids obviously to get a, a good at solid education, but they're exposing them to parts of the game in such a way that make it fun, make it interesting, uh, and then sort of planting, you know, helping to plant that seed. Um, and I think that that's what I like about it is again, uh, but I, I do concur with what Clint said, is that I think before starting any program, I think uh, parents specifically need to do their due diligence and research uh, whatever program it happens to be, whether it's TGA or even Vision 54, if they're going to involve uh, their youngster in a, in a program, uh, to always make sure that they check and find out that it's something um, that's you know well put together and is going to be in, in the uh, child's best interest in that. So there's always you know, uh, that part of it as well. So Clint, I'm going to come to you, uh, on this one. And this is, uh, our last group that we're going to talk about. There's a lot, uh, into it. And again, this is something that both of you, uh, I'm sure are probably familiar with, uh, at least heard of, and that is operation 36. Uh, this is a program that has, uh, as well has gained uh, a lot of traction. They're taking elements, obviously Clint, I think, which is in your wheelhouse from the short game. And they've created a program that has literally proven to be very, very successful. A lot of uh, teach professionals uh, have, have sort of jumped on board with it, and it sort of takes the elements of the short game. And let me just give the golfers uh, listening to the program a little bit of overview, and then I'd like to get your feedback and input. So essentially how the program works, Operation 36, is uh, essentially the goal is that you want to shoot uh, 36 for nine holes. And there's 10 divisions that they have, and it starts in Division 1 as an example. And, of course, your goal being the hole uh, is, uh, is a 25-yard hole. So what they're doing is they're starting you at 25 yards from the hole, and for nine holes, you essentially your goal is to shoot 36 for those nine holes. Um, and until you do so, you don't move to the next division. And, again, that would go to 50 yards. Um, they're really honing on and focusing on the short game here in this particular program. And I think that's why it's been very, very successful. So I want to get your thoughts. And, and again, they keep moving back to all, uh, you know, um, the standard division goes back to 200 yards. And then beyond that, uh, you're talking about full tee box uh, divisions. And again, um, mm -hmm. as you retire, what do you think about that approach uh, to it? What do you think? I, I don't know how, how familiar you are with Operation 36, but I think the premise is very something very similar um, to things that you've talked about in the past, and that is really starting from the green and working back as opposed to the tee box and working forward. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts is I'm finally glad that they figured out what I was doing. <laughs> and <they've> developed, <laughs> they have developed a national program on our behalf. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, you know, we've talked about this for the last five or six years on the program, is that my lesson plans start putting. We we learn how to putt first, and we work our way back. Now, I get back to the full swing a lot quicker than what this program was, but if the golf courses will get onto this, and it's really, I don't even like calling it the short game, 
yeah, I prefer to call it the scoring, you know, scoring game, is it teach somebody how to achieve the objective to begin with. And the rule book basically says, in, in short terms, that the objective is to put the ball in the hole. So until you can actually put it in the hole, who cares how far you hit it? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we all believe that the putting stroke and the chipping stroke and pitching from 50 yards in is simply a small version of a full swing, it makes perfectly good sense that this is where we start. It's a simple way they can be successful early on. You know, they can start making putts. They're, they're having success. They're having fun. And, therefore, as, they, as their abilities progress on making solid contact with the ball from 50 yards out, 80 yards out, then it makes it much easier for them to understand what they have to do from 500 yards out. <clears throat> so, no, this is a great program for a beginning program at your club or your course, mm-hmm. a junior program, <clears throat> you know. I find it difficult to see a beginner would take this and do it on their own. I think this mm-hmm. is how they would have to be guided here, as many of us have with our students for years, guided our students into this direction. But unfortunately, many of them don't show the patience they need to go this far. So if this is a program that kind of keeps them bottled up, and, hey, you start 50, as soon as we determine you're good enough from here, we'll back you up, think it gives that student a framework to understand hey i'm going to get there but let's take it a step at a time so no i would applaud this and, and encourage any instructor out there that has the ability to do this on their course or their or their practice area this would be wonderful and and they, they should try to do something with it um and so i'm looking at it right now and i got my laptop sitting here um we're, we're probably going to try to do something because i wasn't that familiar with this uh so i'm learning something here uh, and, uh, yeah, I would applaud it uh, all the time. I mean, that's where we should be starting people, and they've taken it to an official kind of a program level, which is wonderful. Yeah, I, I, what I really like about this, and, and, John, I'm going to bring you here in a second, um, what I really like about it is, and, again, this goes back to, to your earlier comments um, from the very beginning of tonight's discussion, and that is, um, you know, you want to still be working with a, a qualified instructor. This is not something we don't want to just begin a, a program or a model uh, and then just say, okay, go have at it. Now, there are certain components that you can work on when you're away from your coach, but it is important um, that you do have somebody that can help guide you. What I like about this is they've said that the model is done in such a way that um, there's a sort of a – uh, a reward system. So, in other words, once you uh, get Division One, they call it, or let's say Level One, uh, and you're able to, can you know, they may do it with one chance or two chance. I don't know how they. I haven't really done a deep dive, but um, you know, if you advance or start with Level One, and let's say it's 25 or 50 yards out, and you shoot 36 the first time out, well, that's great. I would recommend doing it a couple times so that you're consistent with it before moving to the next level. And that's essentially what they've done. John, where I see this as a great way to not only introduce people, but as Clint talked about, if courses adopted a very similar, especially if they've got a, an executive, uh, executive holes or par three holes um, in their course uh, facility uh, or even a section of the range that they quarter off, I see this as a great opportunity as a practice tool, uh, not just a teaching tool, 
What are your thoughts? I don't know what your familiarity is with Operation 36. Uh, what are you first to think about the, the overall program? And then what about from a, 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 a practice regimen, if you will, setting something up very similar to this, but using it as a guide for practice? Well, I love Operation 36. I've not personally uh, done it at, at the facilities I've worked at, um, but I'm very aware of it. I've researched it. I've heard a lot of great success. I've talked to a lot of instructors who have done it and, and thought the world of it. Um, I think it's a, it's a home run. I, I agree with what Clint was saying. You definitely want to teach people to play from the hole and work their way back. That's the ideal uh, way to, to teach. Um, uh, the, the one thing that I love about this program is, and we did this a lot with our juniors, is most golf courses don't have executive courses. So what you do is, is it allows you to, you know, if you have some people, you can actually take some, uh, take a group in some, a cart and drive them up to the green and start them out. You know, if you can find an open area on the golf course, uh, we did this a lot with our juniors. And we would we would start we would set holes up very close to the green, and and have them play you know from there. And um, one of the my favorite things to do when I'm teaching and working with with any student, whether adults or juniors, is uh, usually if I'm teaching them over three or four lessons, I can teach the full swing, you know, with the basic grip and setup and seven iron, nine iron, you know, driver. Um, I can teach the basic full swing and anywhere from <clears throat> Uh, in as few as two or three lessons to as much as maybe five or six lessons. I'm talking about where someone could, you know, actually hitting the ball, they're seeing improvement. I'm not talking about them going out and shooting a 75 or something, but being able to hit the ball. But then when I talk about the short game, a lot of my students are surprised how difficult the short game is, and especially with putting. And I tell students all the time, it's more difficult to teach the short game than it is the full swing because the full swing is one swing. You just change from your seven iron to your eight iron or from your eight iron to your nine iron. You, do, you don't change your swing. You just change your club. But in the, in the short game, you have all the, the different lives and the different uh, shots and all the different scenarios that you have. But you have to also change clubs and you have to be able to change your swing, you know, where you're making big swings or small swings. Same same technique basically as the full swing as Clint was saying, but you have to be able to have the, the control to be able to have the control of how far the ball goes. And it's much more difficult to teach someone to control how far their ball goes than to teach someone to maximize how far the ball goes. Because if I hit a 300 yard drive, I'm happy. If I hit a 320 yard drive, I'm even more, I'm ecstatic. But if I'm 20 feet from the hole and I knock it 10 feet by, that, I'm, that's not good. I'm, I am not happy. And so being able to control the ball and the distance that your ball goes is the most difficult skill. It's why tour players spend hours and hours and hours every day practicing their short game. They spend much more time on their short game than their full swing. If the average golfer out there listening will do that this year, coming up, make that commitment, they're definitely going to lower their scores. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, what I would like to see come out of something like this, and whether it's Operation 36 or or a similar program, um, you know, that your local golf professional is doing at their facility, what I would like to see happen, um, you know, I've talked about before about building more executive-style courses. This would be a great model, uh, if you will, for a golf center. Uh, so rather than building 
you know, an 18-hole executive course or even a nine-hole executive course, um, you know, if they were even able to take, um, let's say, a maximum of, of a 250-yard hold, they could have multiple holes at various different stages. So with very, very little property, they could set up several different stations that, that fit within these uh, different levels and allow groups to operate uh, teach professionals to to you know bring students to a facility like this. Even some of your more prominent courses could even uh, you know add something very similar to their range, expand their ranges to have something similar to this. Because again, you're 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 creating an environment where you're encouraging people. Uh, and John, you pointed this out: is it is very easy or easier you know working on the full swing than it is some of these shorter shots and. So I would like to see more time, and you can't always, you know, bring your student out to a hole uh, and do that sometimes, especially when you've got a, a facility that is, uh, this year certainly is a good example of it, where you've got uh, more and more tee times uh, going on, which is great for the facility, uh, but it's not always so easy to to take somebody out on a golf hole and do, uh, uh, you know, steps like this. So I would like to see that as a as sort of a, a new way for the industry to expand. And that is bringing up more specialized golf centers that help teach the short game uh, and do it in a way similar to what uh, Operation 36 is doing. Um, I want to uh, go back to Clint. Um, we've covered these, and, and I want to give you guys a little bit of an opportunity uh, really to talk about yourselves uh, in the last uh, uh, little bit of time and about some of the things that you're doing um, that you know might be similar to what we've talked about tonight, or you know what your future vision is for um, your teaching uh, or your um, uh, ability to to help people learn from this game. So, Clint, I'm going to go back to you. What do you see moving forward as a way with all of the changes, some of the changes we've talked about tonight with technology and and virtual game? You mentioned a couple things. What do you see going forward? Um, with with golf from your perspective oh i think that um you know i thought for a, a many a year that that we had uh, lived through the golden age of golf uh in the 90s and early 2000s but i truly believe that the people that are in the beginnings of their career now actually may see a, a brighter future than what we had uh in that time mm-hmm. frame I'm, I'm excited for our sport because we saw so many people come back to it during this mm-hmm. terrible pandemic time frame, not necessarily picked it up, but came back uh, mm-hmm. to our sport because we heard many times, as y'all did, eh, I hadn't played in a few years, you know, don't have anything else to do. I'm working from home. So we decided we'd start playing golf again. They were already familiar with it. But on the other hand, we see so many of these programs like we've talked about tonight really gaining some traction. And, mm-hmm. and simply, I think, again, we keep calling it unfortunate, but and it really truly is this, this pandemic we're dealing with. But people saw that golf was something that was relatively pandemic-proof. It mm-hmm. didn't go away. So they get excited about things that, that didn't go away that they can hang on to. And if we're smart and we put the effort in, We'll get return on that investment. We'll get return on our time. And for me, <clears throat> I'm excited to get him back to doing some of that. You know, for 
two or three years, I, I went back and was helping a good friend of mine um, and his friend to pull a golf course out of the fire. And we've done that and accomplished it. We're very proud of that. And now I can get back to doing some student development and playing, and that's that's what you know. You and I talked a couple of weeks ago about a, a book that I found, and I won't mention it, mm-hmm. uh, but really excited me about understanding that if you're a good player, your golf swing is available. Every time you step mm-hmm. up to it, it's available for you to make a good swing. And if you're not, you need to figure out why you're not getting there. And what I found out was that my 64-year-old body wouldn't let me go there anymore. So I had to get in better condition. So from a personal standpoint, I'm more flexible. I've lost 10 pounds, and I'm excited about 2021 to where we can get back out and start playing some competitive golf. It's going to be exciting to try that again. Uh, even as, as all the hair is turning gray, it's going to be fun. But <laughs> those are the same, you know. Personally, I'm excited about getting back to playing more golf myself and getting physically able to play close to where I used to play. That's exciting for me. But as far as our industry is concerned, we saw an influx of new people that never been there. We've got programs trying to get to those never-know-anything-about-it children and adults. But most importantly, we had a tremendous amount of people come back to our sport in 2020. And if, and if we, we put the effort into, they'll stick, and it'll carry on forward mm-hmm. without a doubt. So that's, that's the way I see I think our industry, our sport is going to see that influx of people coming back. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of places – that may even consider going back to a really good nine-hole golf course. I own one of the golf courses like you just met, a full-length par three course is the only mm-hmm. thing. You know, it's out there. I know of another course locally that is is going to probably go to a nine-hole facility, really good nine holes with some practice holes. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I think that they're hearing you. Hey, this is what we need to have. Nine holes is enough. It's just like right there where you're at on the Panhandle of Florida. All those little towns used to have nine-hole golf courses. Then they got talked into doing 18 holes. Well, and then they went bankrupt and went away. So there is a place for what you described, a really nice nine holes with a nice practice facility and maybe a couple of practice holes, par four, par three. It takes about an extra 10 or 15 acres to do that. And I think they're hearing you. I see the people are getting involved that have not been in the industry before as far as golf course owners are taking a look at that to figure out how they can reduce their cost but also add value to their customer. And that added value is that place to learn how to play and then have a really nice place. Put your money in nine holes and make them really good. Uh, and that will keep yeah. people there. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, um, we've all seen uh, closures and, and so forth in, in the industry, and for a while, um, you know, the, the growth was not as, as much as it certainly we've seen this year. And, right. Um, but not not so much new people to the game, but as you said, a lot of folks who maybe had, had shied away from the game for a few years out of, mm-hmm. you know, just whatever the reasons were, just timing and so forth – um, sort of got reinvigorated, uh, for for lack of better right. words, or um, and decided to come out. And I think this is a, a great uh, opportunity for the golf industry to, uh, you know, really be able to follow through on that. John, I want to get your thoughts as well. Um, you know, any further thoughts about some of the programs we talked about and moving forward? You know, what are some things that you know you're excited about doing? Um, you know, from an instructional standpoint, uh, in general, what are some things that, that you would like to uh, see moving forward? 
not only from the industry's perspective, but from your own? Well, first of all, from the industry's perspective, um, I think when I look at the trends and what I see, and, and this is prior to the pandemic, but Top Golf was, you know, I, I was hoping that that company was going to go public because I was going to buy stock in them. Uh, that company uh, just, and I, I feel like they may have grown too fast personally. Uh, that, and you and I have talked a little bit about that, but but they kind of got the right idea. Entertainment, uh, introduce people to golf. It's not meant to be anything close to playing a round of golf, but it's a great way to get people excited about coming to the golf course. Uh, I think simulators, uh, facilities that have simulators, if you are a facility out there and you're landlocked, maybe you don't have a driving range or maybe you have a small driving range or maybe you're looking to do some things uh, where you can't really, you know, add short game areas or putting greens or whatever it is that you would like, uh, consider putting a simulator in because I'm telling you, uh, you can run leagues off of those simulators and that is a great way to create revenue. It's a great way for your pros and your assistants to give lessons when the weather's not good. So I, I see simulators as being pretty much, uh, you know, a standard thing and, and the millennials love it. Uh, you know, they're really into that. It's, I'm amazed at uh, some of the young uh, millennials that come in and take lessons. And it's amazing how they they will know more. They 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 can't break 100, but they'll know more about technology than I do. Uh, and they'll start talking about stuff, you know, and if you tried this and tried that. And I said, no, I haven't, you know, because I'm not at the age where I'm just constantly going out and getting new technology. So, um, anything that you can do to, like we've said, grow the game, get people excited about the game. For me personally, um, I'm hoping to grow a brand as an instructor where um, I, I, I want to have a unique brand in the fact that I can provide golf instruction, I can um, continue to write books and, and be a passion of mine, continue to work for Golf Tips Magazine as a senior editor and continue to write instructional ad, um, you know, uh, articles, continue to do videos. I love doing the videos and trying to reach people through the videos. But what I want to be able to do eventually is I want to be able to travel around the country and go into a, to a facility. It could be a public facility. It could be a private club. Um, I want to um, do golf instruction. I want to grow the game of golf. I want to speak at churches. I want to speak at civic organizations. I want to help raise money for uh, philanthropic uh, you know, things, uh, in communities. Um, and that's what I'm trying to grow my brand as personally. So that's something, those are some of my goals and you've been a big help Ted with the magazine and giving me the opportunity to do that. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I, I think both of you really, you know, hit it on the head. I think that, you know, there are so many opportunities out there now. Um, and that doesn't mean that we shy, you know, suddenly shy away from wh what we would classify as traditional golf. I mean, there's always going to be a place for that, of course. Um, but I think as, as the new generations are coming forward, they're looking for something, um, you know, different. They're looking um, for a way of, of being introduced in a different way. Um, you know, they're not all interested in, in joining a private club or, uh, club memberships and that sort of thing, um, you know, they want to sort of dangle their feet in, in a, uh, a multitude of, of different opportunities. And one of the things, you know, going back to what you just talked about before, John, and that was, you know, organizations like Top Golf and that that have, you know, come out with an entertainment aspect of it. That's becoming uh, something that, that is appealing to them. Uh, it's certainly not going to teach them all of the core fundamentals of golf, 
but it gives them a, a, an introductory to a game that otherwise they may not have really taken an interest in because their only exposure is what they see on TV, and that, as we've talked about before, is the tours, and that's something that maybe for most is, is well out of their wheelhouse or out of their reach. Um, so I, I definitely would like to see more of that. But I think also, as we've touched on here tonight, is um, I'd like to see more uh, focused practice facilities out there because one of the, the big pet peeves that a lot of folks have is accessibility. Again, not everybody is going to go out and play uh, resort course or, or what have you, but they'd still like to go out there and maybe um, you know challenge themselves or take up the game at a, a more entry level. And I think this would be a way for clubs and that to to revamp their brand and say, here's a way that we can open up to even a bigger market at a greatly reduced cost to not only the consumer, but a cost uh, reduced, uh, you know, exposure for, for the facility as well. So I think there's lots of opportunity for that. And I think that's going to help get people that maybe normally wouldn't have the same opportunities that maybe we would have to get out there. And then as they develop and grow in their uh, personalities and, and in their business life, uh, personal life, then, you know, there are some of these other traditional opportunities that are going to be available. But I think we have to open that door um, at that sort of entry level, whether it be programs uh, like uh, TGA uh, Premier Sports, whether it be Operation 36, or even something a little bit more defined like Vision 54. There's a lot of great programs. Those are just three I happen to pick. They're not the only ones out there. There's plenty uh, more out there, and uh, many uh, of your golf professionals are going to be familiar with them. And uh, as Clint talked about earlier, I think it's it's paramount that if you're interested in taking up this game, that you get out there and you connect with your local professional, let him or her guide you and help put a, a game plan together with you. And you can explore some of these uh, programs. Some of the programs may have been adopted at that course uh, or by that professional, uh, or there may be others. As I said, there's many out there as well. So it, it, it behooves you, if you will, to really investigate in this sort of off-season for some of you to look into some of these programs, reach out to your professional and have that discussion. And as Clint talked about as well, and John uh, many times in the past, is first and foremost, go for an assessment. Get assessed about your game and uh, learn uh, where you're at right now and talk about where you'd like to be uh, down the road and have that discussion with your, your local golf professional. Um, guys, as always, it's been a great uh, and interesting way to end the, the final season for Coach's Corner. Um, I know you guys will be coming back next year, and I'm really excited about uh, what 2021 is going to hold for everybody. And uh, I want to give you uh, each uh, just a quick opportunity to let the folks know if they want to reach out to you uh, in the next little while or, or whenever uh, the best way to do that. And um, Clint, I'm going to start with you. Okay. John, again, it's always been a pleasure, buddy. I hope you have a great uh, Christmas time and I know 2021 is going to be a banner year for us all, I hope. But also for the people who's listening, uh, you know, stay in there with it. Play some golf as you can through the winter. Get in good physical shape if you if you can't play that. It's a, always a smart thing to do. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do it through my uh, email, which is clintgoff001 at yahoo.com. Or we just started a new page called Third Shot Golf on Facebook. So you can reach out there, too, and drop me a private message, and we'll we'll respond back to you. Uh, and look forward to next year. I think this has been – I forget how many years this has been, but I am always look forward to the next time. So, Ted, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Not a problem, Clint. Thank you, and have a, 
a, a great Christmas as well and, and a happy new year. And I look forward to you guys um, coming back uh, in, uh, in the springtime to uh, start the panel discussions once again. John, go ahead. Well, Ted, first of all, thank you. And Clint, it's been a uh, pleasure being on the show tonight. I really enjoyed tonight's discussion. To all the listeners out there, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays, and a Happy uh, New Year, and a Happy and Safe New Year. I hope everyone's safe, and and um, just uh, hopefully 2021 will be a great year for us all, and looking forward to to uh, getting getting back to it. Um, if, for the listeners out there, if you want to reach me, I teach in the Columbus, Ohio area, so if you live in the Columbus, Ohio area or would like to come out and do instruction with me, um, you can reach me uh, through Facebook uh, under John Decker Golf Instruction. If you do not, um, if you're not, uh, do not live in the Columbus area and you would like to reach me uh, or do some online instruction, you can reach me through Facebook, Instagram. I have YouTube videos um, and as well as on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm, as uh, mentioned earlier, I'm a senior editor with Golf Tips Magazine and I have a feature um, they're called Fairways to Heaven, which um, is uh, a kind of a Christian faith-based uh, article that Ted's allowed me to write, and I've re- been real excited about that. And I'm also doing some instructional articles and videos for the website. Uh, my book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart.com. And um, if you're interested in having me come in and do any public speaking or book signings or clinics or anything along that, I'm willing to travel. Um, feel free to reach out to me as well. Look, I'd love to uh, get back to that. And once the COVID's over, hopefully I'll be able to get back into the public speaking as well. Perfect. Well, guys, John and Clint, thank you very much. Unfortunately, um, Peter wasn't able to join us tonight. I did get a message from him. Unfortunately, he uh, sends his best to everybody as well. Um, and uh, we will see him, of course, next year. But uh, John and Clint, thank you very much uh, for helping me to wrap up uh, uh, another great uh, Coach's Corner segment here on Golf Talk Live. And again, both of you, uh, the merriest of Christmas, Happy New Year. Stay safe through the holidays, and um, thank you for for jumping in on next year's schedule again, and I look forward to some more uh, interesting discussions as we proceed into a new golf season. And um, thanks, guys. Have a great one, and uh, we'll talk real soon. You're welcome. Thank you, Dad. Take care. See you, Dad. All right. right, That was uh, John Decker and um, Clint Wright uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. And again, uh, our apologies uh, uh, from Peter Egazarian, who wasn't able to join us tonight, uh, regrettably, um, last minute here. But um, nevertheless, we want to wish him uh, a great time as well uh, through the holiday season, him and his family. And uh, we look forward to having him join us uh, on the schedule next season as well. All right. Um, very, very excited about tonight's uh, guest. Um, he has uh, become a good friend of mine. I had the pleasure of interviewing his father uh, several years ago before he passed. And uh, uh, his son, uh, Byron Casper, has um, become good friends with me. And, and we've had him on, I've had him on the show several times. Um, he is a professional golfer and a member of the International PGA as well as the co-founder of the Billy Casper Golf Schools. Of course, I'm talking about my good friend, Byron Casper. Let me bring him on, and we'll begin our last discussion for the 2020 season. Good evening, Byron. Welcome to Golf Talk Live. Thanks, Ted. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. I 
always enjoy having you on, and I can't think of a better person to wrap the season up here on Golf Talk Live. And um, before we get started, I just want a, a quick uh, side note uh, for those of you that were tuning in earlier to the show. Uh, there were three different programs that we were talking about in the panel discussion. I want to just very quickly, uh, Byron, before we start, uh, read out the websites if you want to learn more about these programs. Uh, the first one was Vision 54. If you go to vision54.com, you can find all out, uh, all the information you want about the different training and, and programs available. Uh, the other one uh, was uh, TGA Premier Sports, and their website is playtga.com. That's playtga.com. If you have a youngster and and want to get involved with one of their programs, they're actually based out of California, but they do have programs all across the United States, and I believe uh, they're actually working up in Canada as well. So, uh, again, go to playtga.com. And the last one is Operation 36 Golf. The site is operation36.golf, and uh, they're a great program as well. So um, check out the websites. Um, there's some great programs there. Those are what we talked about. And there are many others out there, of course, but these were the three that we talked about tonight. So if you want to learn more, uh, again, you can visit those websites and learn more about each of the programs. All right. As I mentioned, uh, I'm joined this evening by my very good friend, Byron Casper, uh, co-founder of the Billy Casper Golf Schools, and of course, son of the legendary uh, Billy Casper. Um, so Byron, let me just ask you, how's, uh, how's the week been going? And, and, uh, you're uh, out in uh, the Midwest, of course, up in Utah. Uh, how are things up your neck of the woods? Getting a little cold? Yeah, in fact, it's a, uh, a, a kind of a blizzard right now. So it's uh, it's one of those nights where you want to put on a nice fire <laughs> and put on the Christmas lights and uh, and stay you know stay put. Um, fortunately, for you know part of the the method of the Billy Casper Golf Schools is that we use a lot of indoor facilities and so we have mm-hmm. a full simulate full simulator um, and a beautiful indoor studio set up for our students so regardless of whether it's three feet of snow outside um, you know it's always 70 degrees in the studio um, and which you know in, in right. climate places like like Utah you really need that so right right <laughs> I couldn't get well we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the Billy Casper golf schools uh, the vision uh, moving forward and some of the differences uh, from some of the traditional uh, golf schools out there. But before we do that, I thought, uh, again, being this last show and and uh, sort of to uh, you know talk a little bit about your dad, I want to throw him in the conversation tonight. And I thought it would be kind of interesting to go back in the history of the game a little bit and and do it from the standpoint, Byron, of maybe a comparison from you know your dad's era to today. Uh, some of the plus and, and minuses in, in either. Um, obviously, your you know your dad um, you know played uh, you know a few decades ago um, at at the highest level of of the game, uh, became one of the top uh, all time golfers uh, golfers excuse me in the world, and uh, you know played against the the best of the best um, that you and I uh, of course know, and then you've got today's golfers um, again a different generation. Uh, there's certainly been some others in between, but I want to get your thoughts when you look back to when your dad played, because uh, you caddied for him on a number of occasions, to today's golfer. What are some of the differences that you're seeing in his game to what you're seeing in today's game? Let's start with his game and then talk about what you're seeing today out in the out in the PGA and the LPGA Tour. 
Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question, actually. Uh, you know, I, I, I can never underestimate you, Ted, um, when it comes to, uh, to, to, to interesting questions. Um, because I, I, I haven't really thought about uh, that particular one um, before. But, you know, I would say that, that in, in one, of the, one of the definite things that they have going for them that they have in common is the way that golfers visualize. Um, but, you know, as far as differences... I would say that the primary difference um, in your older golf swings, meaning your, you know, your pre-75, pre-80 golf swings, is that they weren't really stereotypical golf swings. Everybody had their own take mm-hmm. on it because they believed that the most important thing was impact, which mm-hmm. that is the most important thing is your impact position. Um, right. And interestingly enough, there's a there's quite a few videos that your uh, listeners can uh go onto YouTube and search out, but there's some really interesting stuff with slow motion cameras where you can bring up somebody like a Billy Casper or Gabe Brewer or Miller Barber and compare them to uh, a much younger, younger person's swing, say uh, a Rory or a Jordan Speed. And it's amazing because their swings are absolutely opposite in so many different ways, except for their impact position. And their impact mm-hmm. position, their hips are open, their hands are forward. Um, they're almost identical every single time. And so I would say that the biggest difference is how golfers, professional golfers back in the day, got back to impact. Does that make Do sense? Do you think – yeah, that no, makes perfect sense, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. Do you think in today's more modern game – um, because again, you, you, uh, I want to address a, a specific point that you made is back in, and we're just going to, you know, simplify it a little bit back in your dad's day and, and today's game to make it easier. Um, you know, back in your dad's game, you had what used to be re- referred to as more of a reverse C position. Um, Johnny Miller was, was famous for that where, you know, it would almost like they were sort of bending backwards a little bit. You'd have that re- reverse C and it was the way that they they um, handled the swing at that time. Now it's a little bit more um, a stationary. You know, back then there was mm-hmm. a lot more lateral movement. There was a little more hip slide, if you will. Uh, you know, obviously they were still turning, uh, but there was a more lateral movement. Now it's it's a more uh, grounded and a more rotational swing uh, with a lot less uh, forward momentum. So, and again, part of the reason to do that was many, you know, golfers of your dad's generation, one of the issues was obviously lower back, uh, you know, uh, difficulties uh, and so forth. So, you know, they were looking for what they classified as a better way to approach the golf swing. But Well, I think as well, I think you, I, I think you also have to throw in there the fact that um, I think the shafts had, to, had a, a lot to do with it. Um, sure. You have to remember, the, you know, there was, there was two choices. Um, you know, once, once everybody left Hickory, um, and it was very hard. Probably something that mo- a lot of golfers don't realize is that when you had a set of hickory golf clubs back before we had metal, you had to really look hard and work through a lot of different clubs until you found a shaft that worked for you. Mm-hmm. There was no such thing as stiff or regular. You just had to hit club after club until you found one that, that fits you. So then moving forward to dad's era in the late 50s and 60s and, and 70s, there weren't that many shafts in the marketplace, they were, and they were extremely whippy. And I think that the whippiness 
absolutely affected the movement coming into the ball. You know, what's and you're exactly right. What's interesting about, you know, the golf swings then um, and today is if you were to watch a half a dozen players um, during your dad's era, um, it was very difficult to find anybody with um, – certainly there were similarities, but nobody had sort of an exact swing. Um, and if you watch – players today it's almost they're almost identical um certainly there are some differences but for the most part most of your modern day golfers um the the movements and so forth are so similar that you know if you were to sort of wipe out the face and maybe get golfers that had similar builds it would be very difficult to, unless you were a, you know a true golf enthusiast um uh, to really tell whose swing was which um, whereas during your yeah, dad's era, uh, you had, you know, right, you had like a Lee Trevino, you had, you know, your dad's swing, you had Jack Nicholas, uh, you had Arnold Palmer. Each swing was uniquely different, but as you pointed out, the impact position uh, was really where the story was told. So how you arrived at impact didn't seem to be as important as impact itself, which is true. But today, for some reason, um, you know, we we've got such a a, a different way of looking at the golf swing and with biomechanics and, and that sort of things being mm-hmm. introduced. Um, people are, you know, wanting to sort of groove that, you know, all the movements in a, in a perfect unison way. And um, I'm just wondering, do you think is it, you know, is it really better? Well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I go back and forth on this, but obviously, you know, I'm the son of a famous golfer from, the 60s and 70s and and then 80s and 90s on the senior tour so what i grew up seeing was you know pretty different to what i call the mechanical swings that we have nowadays you know technology plays into that hugely because people like my dad they didn't have video they didn't have anything other than other pros to give them a a a tidbit here and there whenever they were struggling and um and so they had to figure it out themselves. So from a field perspective, I would argue that players of my, my father's era were, in, in order to get to be that level of a golfer back then, you had to have an enormous amount of feel, um, both in your hands as well as what your body was able to do in order to even find that perfect impact position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nowadays, nowadays, it, I can it, say, nowadays I can take a video of you and – through watching video within two sessions, I can get you onto a plane that suits your body, your size, as well as your mobility. So just think about the time it takes to do that now, as opposed to what it would have taken back then, you know? It it almost seems to be quite honest when you evaluate, you know, the earlier game as opposed to now. I mean, obviously we all want a, a desired result, but a lot of their movements, I believe, during your dad's era was based on results. So, you know, it didn't matter how I got there as long as I got the desired result. Whereas now, I, want the, I still, still want that desired result, but now I'm more conscious of how I get there. And some of it, as I mentioned, could be, um, you know, from a physical standpoint, you know, they're more athletic uh, in many ways in today's era uh, and more health conscious and so forth. So 
uh, and and wanting to last, you know, uh, longer, you know, without as many injuries. So, um, and obviously I'm talking mainly with the back, but um, so I, I think, w- would you agree or disagree with that, that really in your dad's era, they were looking for a desired re- result and, as long as they got there, it wasn't as critical or as important if everything looked perfect as long as they got the desired results they wanted. Would that be pretty accurate? Yeah, I, I would say that's hugely accurate. I don't think they really cared so much about what the swing looked like. Um, they right. were much more result-oriented. And I think they also got into a groove. You know, at, uh, Later in my father's mm-hmm. life, I once had an opportunity to try to straighten this back out using a, a teeter hang-up. I've told this story before. And mm. he got on it, and he didn't like it at all, and he got off it, and then he went to his chiropractor and got his back uh, put back into his normal, slightly off-kilter uh, position. And <laughs> we had this discussion, and it was interesting because he'd hit the golf ball the same way his whole life, over 60 years, seven, 65 years plus, and he had kind of a natural gait. And so I'm starting to almost believe that your body will naturally, if you do something enough, your body will naturally kind of work in that position and get used to it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, you know, if you, it's like anything. If if you create a a um, a motor pattern with your body, mm-hmm. after a while, it it remembers that. And, you know, we, we often joke and we say, well, it's muscle memory and that. And it's really not the muscle remembering. It's just that your body is, is grooving a certain thing. It's like when you throw a baseball or it's when you, you know, do some other movement. Um, after, a, you know, a certain period of time, your body recognizes that movement. So automatically your brain yep. sends you that signal. Um, and, exactly. and that's why, yeah, that's why we, we try to get people to repeat when we see them doing something correctly we want them, and, and obviously with the help of video, we're able to show them now what it looks like, um, and they can equate that feeling with with a visual cue. Um, I want to I want to move into your your dad's uh, and and now your uh, golf schools, the Billy Casper Golf Schools, and obviously there came a point that you know your dad uh, had uh, a great success through his career, and and he wanted to be able to, to do something to give back. Uh, you know, to not just the, the the people that watched him and admired him through his career, but to you know communities in in whole. So he, you know, you guys developed the the Billy Casper Golf Schools, and but they're they're somewhat unique a little bit, not just because they're your dad's, but um, they differ from what many other schools might be. Talk about what some of the the different differences, if you will, um, with a uh, Billy Casper Golf School compared to maybe some of the competitors out there. What's what's unique about the Billy Casper Golf Schools? Well, you know, the whole method of the uh, Billy Casper Golf Schools, we're actually going to be changing the name to the Billy Casper School of Golf shortly. Um, but, you know, the whole the, the, the biggest difference is what my father and I really discussed when we were setting this up uh, back in 2011. And you know, he really wanted a, an emphasis on feel, on playing lessons, on going out and actually learning, not just to how to how to swing the right way for your particular body and natural swing, but also how to score. And and I really wanted to add in uh, the technical aspects. 
and use the latest technology so that not only could we give people the feel aspect of, of learning, we could also back it up with both video as well as just good numbers from uh, either TrackMan or Foresight or, or, you know, Full Swing. You know, there's lots of different companies out there. Uh, and so we use simulation uh, to help people understand exactly what's going on with their swings. And then we couple that with on-course practice as well as on-course playing lessons so that once people understand how to hit a golf ball, then they can learn how to actually go and get it in, you know, in the hole in as few shots as possible. And what we're finding is, you know, I think most golf professionals in 2020 and most golf courses have seen a real uptake in their clientele. Mm-hmm. I know that we certainly right. have a lot, a lot more people, a lot more couples, a lot more families are picking up the, the sport or coming back to it. And so, I, you know, I think it's our job to give people great value for money and give them more than they expect. And that's something that my dad always did, whether it was on the golf course, whether it was working with somebody, teaching somebody, building golf courses, or just sitting next to you on a plane. Uh, he always left you feeling like you got a lot more from him than you thought you were going to. And that's mm-hmm. really become the business ethos of our golf schools. Yeah, and that's so important. You know, people want to feel that they're coming away with something. And, you know, it's it's not just about, um, you know, maybe having a good golf swing or uh, scoring in that, but, but, you know, a sense of feeling good about what you're doing and enjoying what you're doing and, and making it fun and interesting. And, and, you know, I see that, you know, having the, the well, and pleasure of speaking with and, uh, and understanding right. it, you know, I mean, and, and really helping to understand there is no, you know, and, and I hope I don't upset any golf pros out there when I say this, but there really is no <laughs> cookie cutter system when you're no. teaching somebody, you, you have to treat each individual student as a completely separate blank canvas and for me personally, I like to, you know, make as few few strokes as possible on that canvas in order to get them to where they want to be. Um, some people take a little longer. I'm sure some people take a take even less time. Um, but helping people, it, it's really easy if you just treat each person as an individual. And that's probably some of the best advice I ever got as a teacher when I I left the uh, San Diego Golf Academy. 18 years ago. And, um, and it's, it's really, I think it's, it's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, for, for golfers, especially newcomers, um, I think that's some, some great advice. And we're going to talk about some other things, uh, here in just a moment as well, but what typically is going to be some of the curriculum, that you're going to feature at the golf schools. You've talked about really the overall game plan, if you will, but uh, is there going to be certain areas of the game that you're really going to be more focused on than others, or is it going to be an overall uh, experience? And what do you see? You know, we've seen here so much about different golf schools and they have two day, three day and, and so on and so forth. Is, is that something that you're also going to be incorporating into the golf schools is a multi-day uh, program or, or guide, if you will, to improvement, um, where you might do a two-day or three-day golf school, um, or are you looking at a different model? Um, do you think um, to what maybe uh, traditionally someone might find? 
Well, what we're looking is is, is basically a, a version of both of what you had just talked about. Um, so the first is that we we do do hosted trips, and people are more than welcome to mm-hmm. come in for two or three days uh, and work work with myself uh, and my staff uh, at our existing facility here in Utah. But we're also looking at um, doing hosted trips at different locations for golfers that want to play uh, courses in the desert or in San Diego mm-hmm. or Northern California. And so, uh, you know, that's something that we've looked into. We've done a few of those in the past. 2020 wasn't the best year to uh, focus on that aspect of our business because of how much uh, COVID has shut everything down, especially with traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is that is something we're going to be implementing in the 2021 year. Um, and so that is an important part um, of, uh, of our business. But then secondarily, we're also putting together uh, a group, um, a franchise uh, opportunity for different groups all over the country that may want a branded golf school at their facility. And mm-hmm. we're in the process of putting that together right now, and we'll be offering that sometime about mid-February. So people will have the opportunity not only to take advantage of all of the information that I've learned literally uh, by my father's side for two decades. We're also going to take advantage of my contacts with technology and combine that and put together a package that literally will fit just about any golf course or driving range that wants one. Yeah. And that's a great, um, you know, uh, coming from a great model like that. And, and, you know, your, your, your dad was, you know, again, of the mindset that, you know, understanding especially the key fundamentals uh, of golf and, again, how you arrive at them wasn't as, as important as, as the, the end result. But, you know, passing that, that, you know, legacy on in conjunction with some of the things that you've learned on your own, um, I think it's going to be a very, very successful uh, venture. And I think for any course or facility out there, yeah, that, that you know, wants to take a serious look at, at adopting something in their facility um, this is definitely, I think, a very positive direction to, to go in. I want to come back to new golfers for a second, um, and, and I'm going to split this actually in two categories. I'm going to uh, talk about new golfers and then also uh, returning golfers because um, I think there's there's going to be a little bit of a difference. So let's talk about um, you, you touched on new golfers. I mean, obviously there's some some things that you know that you you've already mentioned, but if you had the ear of a brand new golfer, which I know you've had this year. Um, what's some of the best advice that you would give a new golfer coming to the game? What would be the, the, how would you want to start them off to give them the best opportunity for success as a new golfer? Well, you know, I, 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 I you take a page out of my, uh, my father's handbook. Um, and that is that obviously things like your hands and your stance are, um, are super important. Um, that's not me being attacked by dogs, just so you know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's me. That's I, uh, me. Sorry, yeah. folks. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but um, but obviously things like the way they hold the club, um, the way they stand is important. But a lot of times with a brand new student, you know, I had the pleasure of working with a young boy recently, and I just wanted to see what he thought the golf swing looked like. And as he was taking his practice swings, we started getting him to hit a few shots, which got him really excited. Once he got excited, then that's when I started making little changes, um, teaching him how to hold the club properly, um, 
changing slight little things like a swing plane. But really, the emphasis was on enjoying what, what he was doing. That's what I'm trying to do with new students is I, I want to see where they're at and then how I can formulate a swing out of what they're already naturally doing to the best of my ability. Then I make sure that their hands are on the club. And then I just have them take some nice little half easy swings until they're making good contact with the ball. Because there's nothing more exciting, quite frankly, than seeing somebody who's never hit a golf ball in their life start hitting a golf ball. And you can just feel, like literally, like their sweating accomplishment is, is, is the most amazing thing ever because they just feel so accomplished. And that's what brings people back into the sport. So I would say make it fun. Remember the basic fundamentals of the golf swing, meaning the way you're standing, the way you're swinging, and obviously your hands on the club. But also make it fun the whole time so that they come back to the, to the game and want to continue to get better. And we've got um, a lot of returning golfers this season. Um, you know, due to COVID, as as we both know, there's many folks out there who, um, you know, were not able to do a lot of, depending on where you are, not able to do a lot of other activities. And golf was, as I've said many times here lately on the show, has been blessed uh, with quite an mm-hmm. uptick or surge in in in, in um, you know in rising in, of, of people playing in that uh, just because of uh, the circumstances. So for those golfers that have not just the new golfers you've touched on, but we've got returning golfers. We've got golfers that maybe due to their age, um, maybe decided it was time to to give it up because they weren't playing at their best anymore. But now they've sort of had a, a new rejuvenation, if you will, and decided to give it another go. Um, or they've come back, uh, you know, maybe their time restraints were, got to a point where they couldn't play as much as they'd like, but now that, that floodgate has opened up again. What would you say to the returning golfer um, that's had that re- sort of revigoration, if you will, of, of being able to play again? Well, you know, that's some of my favorite clientele to work with, to be honest with you, because um, somebody that's a return golfer has not only experience with golf, but it means as well that they already know uh, the premise, the premise of hitting uh, a golf ball, and also understand the swing. And so, for somebody like that, that's where I believe equipment really comes in in handy. And oftentimes, I'll have them. Not only will I work with them, but I'll also give them a uh, what I call a club diagnosis uh, of their, whether their equipment's helping them, hurting them, or it doesn't really matter. Um, because that's when shafts really come into it. You know, if somebody that comes into me that's older, that's been playing with the same clubs for the last 20 years, but they're now in their 80s, um, then I'm going to put them, a good example would be I'm going to put them in a graphite shaft that's a lot lighter. It's a lot easier for them to swing. They can build up their swing speed more, um, and they'll have a little bit better control and a little better distance. So, you know, I think that you treat a, a student coming back in slightly different um, because, they do have an experience with the game of golf. And so, and you can also talk to them different as well because they've, you know, played the game of golf as opposed to somebody who's brand new who doesn't know yet what a birdie or a par is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, for some of our, especially for our older golfers, like I said, there's, there's many who, you know, for one reason or other have had given up the game. Maybe, you know, they had other activities that, that came up, uh, especially, 
Um, you know, grandchildren, as an example, they're more involved with them in other activities. Um, or maybe they just, you know, for some reason, uh, kind of lost that spark. Their game had, had drifted a little bit and in, into, uh, uh, you know, the higher numbers and, and decided that they just d- didn't want to spend the time anymore. Um, and, and sometimes obviously there's some health issues as well, but, um, you know, we're, we're seeing, as I said, a big uptick in, in, uh, returning golfers this year. And I think that's great for the game. So it brings me to this question here that I've got, and that is moving forward. You know, we, we've all, you know, experienced, uh, you know, uh, again, what's happened with the, you know, pandemic and so forth. Um, but besides that moving forward, what is going to be some of the challenges that you see for the future of the game? We want to grow this game. We talk about this um, quite a bit in our industry, but what is it going to take to really grow this game and make it uh, so that anybody that wants to take it up can do so uh, relatively easy without as, you know, without, uh, cause we know golf can be expensive. Um, what do we need to do as an industry? If we want to move it forward, if we really want to open the doors up, and let everybody uh, become accessible. How do we do that, you think? Well, you know, it's interesting you should ask that because I think that, that we're already doing that to a certain extent, um, specifically through a lot of junior programs. You know, I'm a, I'm a mm-hmm. big, big advocate for the first T programs, um, and I love what, what they're doing. And I know quite a few of the directors, both here in Utah, California, as well as back east. And so programs like that are obviously super important to – continue the sport to the next generation. But I think we also need to take advantage of what's happened this year, and that is that we've seen a lot more families and a lot more couples playing golf, uh, because not only is it something that they can do together, uh, especially during this COVID time, um, but it's something that they can do that that gives them some fresh air and, you know, is a good, healthy, competitive uh, hobby for most people. And so I think we need to continue to to really promote families and couples uh, on, on courses. Um, I think golf courses are doing a great job um, incentivizing people to come out with different things like twilight rates. And I think in general, golf pros are doing a great job in teaching people and helping them get better. And so for personally, you know, being, being a golf pro, I know you're the same, Ted. I'd love to see the mm-hmm. national handicap drop, you know, drop. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to see people get better. And and that really comes down to us golf pros in helping people get better. So I think promoting it to families again, promoting it to couples, um, making it, you know, really a family sport is going to do wonders when it comes to helping to not only grow it, but pass it on to the next generation. Yeah, I I agree with all those. And and one more thing I want to add, and I talked about this on sort of the first uh, half of the program tonight with with the guys on the panel, and that is I would like to see more facilities, not you know what I would call a full size golf course, but I would like to see you know a combination, obviously new facilities, but also uh, existing facilities, uh, maybe redefine um, their brands a little bit. And I'll give you an example. You know, there's uh, years ago growing up, you know, I grew up on. Um, you know, seeing a lot of par three or executive courses or even golf mm-hmm. centers uh, were, were more prominent then. I think I'd like to see instead of, you know, just more and more resort courses or more and more country clubs being built is maybe a more specific golf center being developed 
that would allow access to those that maybe don't have the resources to play at some of these uh, larger facilities quite yet. But and especially for families, you know, like a family golf center that, you know, the, the holes are not as long. It's, uh, you know, kid friendly, that sort of thing, because uh, you're not taking away from traditional golf, but you're just opening that door uh, to somebody else and, and giving them the opportunity to at least get out there and give it a try. And then where they take it from there is up to them. Um, that's well, something know, I think. I think, I, think that, I think you're 100 yeah. percent right. I mean, think about it, though. Back in the 60s and the 70s, there were a ton of par three courses, um, mm-hmm. and it seems like that was the way a lot of us got uh, got good at playing the game. Um, but over the years, they they've kind of gone away from that. I think that's a great idea, um, and I would hope that it could be implemented. Well, you know, I guess the reason why I say that is, and again, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I you know, love to, to play um, some great tracks out there. There's a lot of great golf courses. But I see an opportunity to learn from, you know, over the past decade, particularly where we've seen a lot of courses that had closed um, just, you know, because the demand was so much uh, or was not mm-hmm. enough to, to fill that. Um, but there were still a lot of people that would like to play. So this is what I would like to see come up. I mean, we had organizations like Top Golf and, and others out there that have come up from the entertainment side to sort of say, hey, this is something, and that's brought in a younger generation. Um, but, you know, are we going to see a transition where, you know, a, a group of millennials going out to Top Golf one night are suddenly going to hit the links? Um, I don't think that that's going to be um, necessarily a guaranteed transition. So I would like to see something kind of in between. So for those that are coming out hmm. to um, that type of facility, like a top golf could now be introduced to more of a, a golf center. Uh, again, a shorter par three executive style courses to get their feet wet a little bit in, in a more traditional type thing and then sort of work their way. So it's almost like a different tier, a different level, if you will. Um, but I think it would be something that families could, could do quite and, and golf facilities or courses could do that very economically. And some have done it. Don't get oh, me wrong. Oh, yeah, but I would right. like to, I, I would like to see more of that. I think uh, across the United States and elsewhere, because I think it would open the doors to so many people that maybe look at golf as an elite sport. Well, yeah. I mean, you're talking a lot of things. There's a lot of factors that affect that. One of the things that, that's going to affect it in a big way is the time it takes to play. So it's mm-hmm. going to be less expensive. It's going to be uh, a lot less time-consuming, which means a lot more people can do it uh, more frequently. Uh, I can see a lot of benefits to that. And so, yes, it is something that I've experienced quite a bit. In San Diego, we have mm-hmm. um, uh, quite a few little uh, pitch and putt courses and part three courses. In Utah, we have um, a couple as well. Uh, so I've been really fortunate to uh, to have grown up a- around that um, atmosphere but I think it is something that is the natural conclusion that's going to have to happen sooner or later, um, especially when you have the argument, like you said, you know, what is the transition going to be for people coming new to the sport that want to go play at top golf, but don't really want to go out and spend 50 bucks playing a big normal golf course. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying is, you know, it's almost like there's a, a gap that could be filled again um, you know, uh, I'll give you a good example. Why I say this is, is some years ago, I remember, you know, Las Vegas was always painted as an adult only, um, location. 
And some years ago, they saw the benefit of opening it up to more family-oriented. And that doesn't mean they got rid of the gambling and so forth, but they they started bringing uh, not so much attractions, but other things, um, you know, more fine dining and shopping experiences and things and other things as well um, to Las Vegas and opened it up more to family. Um, so you still had for those that like to go into the casinos and traditional gambling, but they also had other activities there as well. And that's really what I'm getting at is for golf, I think you need to have, uh, and again, I'm not suggesting that we get rid of what we've already got, but I think to complement an industry, I think this would be a great way to open, especially now since we've kind of gotten that shot in the arm this year um, because of the pandemic with so many new people there. The last thing we want to do is you know, create an environment where they say, well, look, this is just I can't afford to do this all the time or I can't afford to do that where there's another option for them, as I guess what I'm saying is let's have another option available for those that that don't want to join a country club or don't want to play at a resort um, all the time, but want to still enjoy that golf experience. Um, I think that's uh, what I'm getting at. You would think a lot of, yeah, and and I totally agree. Uh, In fact, you would think that there would be a lot of people coming from that particular avenue um, onto playing real golf courses. You know, you could almost consider that a, a stepping stone in the grassroots process. So I agree 100%. Right. And, 100%. Yeah, and yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying is you know uh, again, you know, I think the hope was uh, or part of the hope was that you know with something like a top golf and, and other uh, organizations out there that was sort of naturally going to happen. But again, that's a pretty big jump for somebody that's just going out for, you know, recreation and entertainment at a top golf facility to suddenly, you know, start playing, you know, Pebble Beach. So it would be nice to have another uh business model if you will out there that um, the everyday golfer could say, okay, you know what, I've, you know, we had a great time at uh, one of the top golf, but I'd like to give it a try, but I'm not quite ready to play this uh, location over here. Is there something else out there? And there are some, don't get me wrong, but I, I think we need to have more of it because I think there's going to be hopefully a very big demand coming as, as time moves forward uh, because of what's going on this year. People have now been introduced to golf that typically uh, never saw the game before other than what they you know, visualized on TV in tournaments and that, which again doesn't always appeal to everybody because it's it's a, a much higher caliber, high, higher level of the game. So we have we have to have something that is, um, you know, sort of in between. Um, I want to talk about something else now that you and I are obviously very familiar with, and uh, I've shared um, a, um, a a clip here on the show over the last uh, several weeks. And uh, before you and I talk. Uh, I'm going to let everybody hear uh, this short infomercial, and then you and I on the other side will talk a little bit about it. 2020 hasn't been exactly what any of us expected, but the one thing we have in common is the need to cleanse and stay clean. Doctor recommended and approved, Golf Nix is a hand and skin cleanser that can be used daily. Clean your hands, shoes, clubs, your golf cart, and use it around your home. It leaves no sticky residue and moisturizes your skin. Keep clean and avoid those pesky germs that exist all around us today. Golf Nix is your natural solution to keep clean. Check it out at golfnix.com. That's golf. NIX.com. All right. You and well, I you had a number of, yeah, we've had a, <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, we've had <laughs> a number of conversations about golf Knicks and, um, you know, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for those that are, you know, maybe just tuning in for the first time tonight, I thought, um, you know, we could talk a little bit about the product, but more importantly, 
why you decided to become involved with it, why you decided to come through uh, and bring this. Obviously, it has uh, benefits during this difficult time of, of uh, you know, um, helping to protect us now. But sort of to walk us through from the beginning what uh, what your thought process was. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it this year has been crazy. Uh, COVID has affected literally everybody. It um, doesn't matter who you are. Uh, and because golf has been such a popular sport, it made sense that we had something that was for everybody, uh, but that could also be also targeted towards golfers when it comes to staying germ-free and being able to enjoy the game um, without having to worry about COVID at that particular moment in time and or being getting sick. And, uh, you know, Golf Nix is such a great product. Uh, you know, you can use it on your hands. You can use it on your face. Um, our hand and, and skin cleanser is literally just amazing. Um, and our multi-purpose cleanser, I, you know, I kid you not, I spray down my golf cart uh, when I'm playing golf. I use it uh, on the dash of my car. Um, I use it in my kitchen. Um, it's a great product. Uh, if you're looking for a really great way that's completely organic and all natural to stay clean and keep your surroundings clean, uh, which is super important right now, then definitely check out golfnix.com. I think you're going to be really impressed. Well, and also let me just add as well, and I'm going to give a, a promo code for the listeners out there um, to take advantage and, and get an additional savings. Um, you know, some of the other uses as well that you'll see on the website is uh, you can actually use it uh, to uh, help with, with cleaning golf clubs. Uh, you can also spray your golf shoes. Uh, um, you know, obviously there's areas that, that pick up a lot deodorizer. of... A- absolutely. It's a great right, deodorizer. Right. I-, I use it myself, so... Right. So it's multi-purpose. It's not just a hand hand cleanser. Um, obviously, that's, uh, uh, you know, first and foremost, we well, want well, to well, emphasize. Well, well, that. Yeah, well, we have two different. Yeah, we have two different products. I'm, I, and I apologize for not emphasizing that. Um, so our first product is our hand and skin cleanser with Golf Nix. And that comes in both a two ounce and an eight ounce size. And then we have a multi-purpose cleanser which comes in a 32-ounce spray bottle as well as a gallon size uh, so that you can uh, keep topping up your bottle. Um, And so there is a difference between the multi-purpose cleanser and the hand and skin cleanser. Um, And uh, so I thought I would just differentiate between the two for you, Ted. I appreciate that. And what's really nice about this is a great opportunity. It's not only available to consumers that that want to, um, you know, uh, continue to be safe, um, but it's, there's also options there if you uh, are in the golf business and you're listening uh, at the moment uh, or at some point down the road and uh, you want to purchase uh, some for the golf shop, not just for resale but for use uh, in, in your, uh, your country club or your facility, um, obviously it's a great product. And what's nice about it is it's very environmentally friendly. Um, the uh, components that are used to, are, are good for the environment. Uh, we know we're all becoming very conscious of that, so that's one of the things I like about it. And we're making a special offer and have been for a few weeks now uh, for those listening to the program. If you go in and at checkout, if you enter in promo code GOLFTIPS2021, that's Golf Tips is in Golf Tips Magazine 2021, you'll save an additional 10% off your order. Uh, make a great gift, uh, not only for the holidays, to um, 
give for, for some loved ones to make sure that they're staying safe. But it's also great for you uh, guys and managers out there in golf facilities. Um, you can get uh, some great deals on packages as well, which you can see on the site. So go to golfnix.com. That's G-O-L-F-N-I-X.com. And as I said, enter Golf Tips 2021 in the uh, section for the promo code at checkout, and you'll get an extra 10% off of your order. So I would strongly suggest that you do that. I think it's uh, it's going to be good. But you and, know, you really and and free shipping too. I might add. Well, I just wanted to let everybody know as well that uh, through the end of the year, we're uh, offering free shipping site wide. So uh, everything uh, on our website is uh, free shipping straight to your door. Perfect. And, you know, even though there is much progress with uh, with COVID right now, they're looking at obviously with the um, um, uh, with the vaccinations and that we're still going to have to be careful over the next little while until everything gets behind us. So, uh, you know, just because the vaccines are coming out now um, doesn't mean we, we shouldn't be extra cautious moving forward. So this is a great opportunity to stock up not only with the with the hand uh, sanitizers and that, but with the multi-purpose as well uh, for around the house. And you've mentioned a few places and for you golfers out there, it's a great thing to, as a deodorizer, as I said, for your shoes uh, or helping to, to uh, clean your clubs or for your vehicle as well and your dash and so forth. Some of the common areas that may, may pick up, um, you know, uh, potentially germs and that, this is a great uh, product. So go to golfnicks.com. Enter promo code GOLFTIPS2021 uh, to save an extra 10% uh, off of your purchase. Um, so, Byron, as you get ready for 2021, you've talked about a few things. What, uh, what are some other things that you're looking forward to in the new year um, as far as uh, Byron Casper's concern and also the Billy Casper Golf Schools? Well, you know, my goal is to um, continue to enjoy being part of this wonderful game and helping as many people as possible, which uh, it, which means working uh, primarily on building the Billy Casper School of Golf uh, up in the 2021 year and taking it outside uh, of Utah to a few few different states, and then really also pushing the uh, Golf Knicks brand. Uh, it, that's been a really fun project that I've been involved with since April. And um, and because it uh, stays in my wheelhouse, so to speak, of the golf business, uh, I'm really grateful to be able to uh, to go out and promote that as well. Uh, so I think 2021 is going to be similar to 2020 in the sense that uh, my goal is really going to be to help a lot of people uh, in golf and help them enjoy this sport a little bit more and teach people the importance of golf nicks and why it really is the, the one-stop shop to helping keep your facility, your gear, your car, your home clean. Well said. Um, well, Byron, I think that's uh, a pretty uh, <laughs> great goal to have. I, 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 didn't yeah, read, that's... <laughs> I didn't read that off of anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> I could, well, you did a great job. Um, well, Byron, I want to thank you very much. Uh, for joining me and it's uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show and and as I said earlier uh, leading off our our segment um, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up uh, uh, another great season here on Golf Talk Live this will be the end of season eight tonight and I'll be starting season nine uh, coming up on uh, February 11th will be the first show next year taking an extended break so I can prepare for next season 
uh, and obviously enjoy uh, the uh, the holidays uh, a little bit with family and friends. Uh, but I want to wish you and your family, Byron, uh, all of the best at the season. I want to thank you for all that you do to not only uh, grow the game, but to uh, help keep uh, your father's legacy alive and, and sharing uh, the many uh, you know tidbits of knowledge that he's given you over the air and, and honoring him um, as you continue the Billy Casper, uh, which will be School of Golf in the future. But uh, I, I can't uh, express enough um, how uh, I appreciate having you as a friend, and I look forward to uh, many more great adventures together. And um, I hope to have you back on absolutely. again in the new year, which I know I will. So have well, a have a merry Christmas. And, and and Ted, thank you so much. It's it, uh, it's not only great to have a, a good friend, but somebody that's making a big difference in the golf world um, and has uh, such a, a wonderful network of friends as well. So merry Christmas to you and your entire family as well. And thank you so much for the well wishes. And to to all of your listeners, I hope you have a safe and absolutely wonderful holiday season. I keep telling everybody around me, we might as well make 2020, the end of 2020, uh, go out with a bang on a positive note. So, um, you know, let's stay stay strong. And, uh, and 2021 is not far around the corner. I couldn't agree more. Byron, thank you very much for joining me uh, again on the show tonight. And uh, again, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, we'll talk real soon. But uh, have a safe and, and happy holiday to you and your family. Thanks, Ted. You as well. And all the best. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Billy. Uh, sorry, Byron Casper, son uh, of the legendary Billy Casper, uh, joining me on the show and uh, co-founder of the Billy Casper Golf Schools. Um, great guy and um, also uh, brought Golfnicks to the market. Golfnicks.com is the website. And again, if you go to Golfnicks.com and enter promo code GOLFTIPS2021 in the uh, section at checkout for promo codes, uh, you'll save an additional 10% off your order. Uh, and it's uh, well worth it. It's a great product. I've used it. I've had some samples and uh, it does work very, very well. And it's uh, non-alcoholic. Um, and has uh, a lot of uh, uh, it does not have any hazardous chemicals in it, so it's safe, so you don't have to worry about that. But, anyways, um, I want to thank everybody for a great season, and I apologize for the dog barking in the background, but that's what happens when you're working from home. Um, but I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, and I got to go before this dog drives me crazy. God bless everybody. I'll see you next year on Golf Talk Live. February 11th. Stay tuned. In the meantime, if you want to hear past episodes, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and scroll down to the on demand section. You can check them out there. God bless everybody and have a safe and happy holiday season. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, Check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.